Hello, Carl. Hello. We have busy a busy day. It's a busy, busy day. We're going to do this a little differently today. We have three guests today. First, we'll talk to Gary F. Bell, talking about Stray Dogs production of Saturday Night Fever. And then around minute 12, Liza Birkenmeyer talking about St. Louis Actors Studio version of her play, Dr. Ride's American Beach House. And then around minute 28, we'll talk The Exorcist Believer, and then a little bit about Totally Killer. And then around minute 39, Abe Goldfarb from the Fabulous Foxes production of Beetlejuice. We're so excited because we have so much theater going on in St. Louis, so we should celebrate that fact. We have, I have a schedule of five of uh, five shows or six shows in five days. So it's, uh, let's see, let's embark on this journey and let's uh, do it. Yes. So the first one, I was in Deerberg's last night, and Yvonne Elements, if I can't have you, came on over the uh, music, and I was. So uh, pleased with that because that is from Saturday Night Fever and Gary F. Bell, artistic director of the Stray Dog Theater, is going to mount a exciting production of the musical Saturday Night Fever starting this Thursday. So we have with us today, Gary. Hello, Gary. Hi, guys. Hi, Gary. Now, no, Gary, it- uh, I told Lynn last week that I saw this show in the West End in London, and it was fantastic. And they were dancing in the aisles, including myself. <laughs> well, get ready, or it's going to be the same thing by us. Then you're actually coming tonight to the preview. Yes. Yeah. You have so many shows going on that I give a dress rehearsal preview for some reviewers, which they love because they get to knock out one of the shows because we're always ready by dress rehearsal. So we're loved it. We're looking forward to having you guys tonight. Well, everybody knows the 1977 movie, or they should. And I wore out the soundtrack, and I did have disco outfits back then, being uh, 24, I want to say 23, 24, and also the Famolari uh, shoes. So those are long gone, but they're still around. Anyway, um, if you you remember the movie, Lynn, when you saw it, did you see the original R-rated version, or did you see the toned down after the uh, back of the car being edited PG version. Oh, I saw the real thing. I saw the, I was uh, right there opening, opening night in the loo, you know? So uh, it was very exciting because John Travolta was just coming off. Welcome back Potter as a teen art throb and everybody went, what? What is this? So the uh, Bee Gees documentary is a great reminder of that era. And uh, what's exciting about this Saturday Night Fever, it's very rarely done. So I'm very thrilled to see a new production. But also the creative team that Gary's got, uh, Justin Bean is a director that is known to take familiar things and reinterpret them. So Gary, what is Justin's vision for this show? Well, his vision, we have all this, the songs, of course, you can't get rid of them. Everyone's coming to hear the songs. And then, of course, we have amazing dancing. Mike Hodges is choreographing again. And uh, really amazing costumes also by Colleen Michelson, who did the costumes for us last show for Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. So she's, she's quite amazing. What he's got going on is a crazy stage. To, there's a lot of scenes in the show as well, because it's almost a direct take right from the movie. You get all the stories, you get the family sitting at the table, talking, yapping, yelling. 
and so he's got him moving around that stage like crazy because all the scenes happen, all the dancing happens, all the singing happens. I can't wait for you to see the the big upper like echelon bridgeway he's got going on. I think you're going to be very surprised. His stage this time is his big, big thing. There wasn't much he could do to change, you know, the movie and the and the storyline. But I think when you see how everything's just zipping around so fast, it's going to be very exciting. Costumes Why do you are... think it's so timeless? Well, you know, the Bee Gees are just classic. Their, their music is so catchy. Almost every song that they wrote, you can remember, you can sing, you can hum. Um, I, I, I sing along the whole night. I mean, If I Can't Have You by Yvonne Elements in there, which is amazing, of course. You know, The Nights on Broadway. Uh, of course, Disco uh, Inferno. It's just it's nuts. There's so much great stuff. And you just can't stop singing and, you know, clapping along with them. And this show, you can do that. There's no problem. Like, if you want to sing, sing. I mean, you, you can't be stopped. <laughs> This is going to be fun because I do think people want to get up and dance and, yeah. and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I don't think it's been done a lot because it takes, you need singers, dancers, and actors. You need those triple threats. If you, if you don't have the dancing down and you don't have the singing happening, it's just not going to happen. And they have worked so hard on getting dancers that can sing and also can act in the scenes to make the whole thing a triple threat show. That's what I'm calling it. Saturday Night Fever by Stray Dog Theater, a triple threat show. Which is going to be great. Well, uh, Mike Hodges is an excellent, outstanding choreographer. So as soon as I saw his name, then I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. (laughs) It's in good good hands. Drew Mizell is playing Tony. You know, that's the lead role. and, and, and And the amazing thing is he's got that going on. He's got that Italian look. Just the other night, I switched one of his shirts at the very end to like a nice red, sexy shirt. Because I told the costumer, no, we need more. We need more sex. We need more red. So, <laughs> you know, and at that time, that was the that was the era when all the men wore their shirts so far open, you know, a bit inappropriate. But you don't get the sauce on the shirt. Right. But yeah, exactly. So you'll see a lot of that going on, too. Uh, chains, throws. That's amazing. We have two great singers also who kind of um, uh, uh, Jade and, and Chris Moore. They have they get up there and do amazing things and move the show along as as the, the the featured singers and they go up on that bridge and they sing and they scream and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Last night went very well. It was our final dress before our dress tonight. And as you know, we also have our big fundraiser tonight. We have we do our soiree fundraiser at our dress rehearsal for our folks. So we have 75 people coming. The whole lobby area has been decorated in disco and uh, lights and bulbs and food and all that's coming and then most of the reviewers are coming to this night because they're using it to accomplish what lynn had said before about taking out some of the shows that they have to run and see so they get to be there to watch the watch it with an audience as well tonight at at that dress rehearsal well, there's so, going to be a lot of polyester, I am sure. A lot of polyester. Yeah. So and we the white. Fit, and you know, we close then on the 28th. We, we run show musicals now for an entire month uh, to give people a chance to come and see, um, you know, all the shows that we, we can. Because we found on our third weekend, a lot of people were like, I haven't seen the show yet. I want to see it. So we thought, all right, we're going to take a gamble. I'm okay. going to do it for another week. And that last weekend, you know, is Halloween. So people are dressing up anyway. Yep. It's going to be super. I'm dressing up too. You know, Michael Hodges and I have a war on who can be the flashiest, most sequined person at a party. So you'll be able to be a part of that tonight, Lynn. And you better vote on me. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will I will do that, but I'm sure there's the white suit. Oh yeah, we have the white suit. That's that iconic thing with the black shirt. Open down to the navel, whole thing. And carrying Puka a can shelf. of paint down Brooklyn. What's that? Carrying a can of paint as you oh, walk yeah. down the Brooklyn streets. He actually opens the show tonight with a can of paint. <laughs> we had well, the whole thing is there. Well, I was very surprised that the you know the, all the different scenes are there too. The scenes with them on the bridge, you know that that that's iconic. The one with the one at the table with the mom and the dad fighting and. It's just, it's all there. The priest brother, the ex-priest brother. So whatever character you feature or love the most is going to be there and more. All right. Well, this sounds like a perfect fit for your theater company. And I wish now, you the best. Are you encouraging some people that go to theater, they just want to sit back and this is a, this is an interactive show, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah, it can be interactive. It's really up to you. Uh, everyone is called for tickets because you can buy them online, but I have a lot of subscribers who are still old school. I want to buy them from the box office. They're like, the music, the music, the music. I'm coming for the music. So, you know, we know that that's featured and it's got to be key. If you don't have the good music, you don't have the dancing making it all happen, you might as well just go home. The story is wonderful and great, but that's not the major point of this story. Uh, usually that is when you're doing a show, the plot and all that's important. And it is important, but you really want to hear those songs and see those dancers dance those dances. We also have the light up floor. Get ready. Wow. We have it. Yeah. The whole thing is happening, Lynn. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Well, I'm sure the energy is going to be off the charts. Well, you know, they're all in their and 20s. So much more energy than I got. But I'm and there. that'll be fun. I'm there for it. Yeah, and there was a lot of energy for the vampire lesbians of Sodom. There it was, was a, a huge success. I mean, I was so surprised because, you know, of course, this happened a gay pride. And then, of course, we had the crazy nonsense about drag performing and that stuff going on. And I think people came out to support that because there's, a, of course, Charles Bush, who prefers to be called a female illusionist, which is completely fine. Uh, he does great stuff and says a lot of important things. So that was a great, that was a huge success for us because of the spot. And then of course the political climate came along and helped. And anything with the word lesbians gets the lesbians out. So they're happy to come out to see a show. That <laughs> because we are happy to support them and happy, you know, to, to be saying things that are important in the political climate. Yeah. It was a really fun audience. I came to see it late yeah, and well, uh, it was you, just, you, that's a, a show you want to see. At a late show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm, you know, later in the run. But, uh, and then next for you is another uh, fun favorite. Yep. Uh, Sister Mary Ignatius explains Thank it all for you. Yep. yep, yep, yep. We have that coming along too. So, and we'll, that's the, that's the alternative Christmas show. <laughs> we always do something unusual at Christmas. We don't do the normal Christmas show because we have our friends in the theater who do that for us already. We got Dickens everywhere. We have the Sugar Plum Fairy. That we give that to our friends in town, and we decided let's do something very kind of different and unusual every Christmas. So everyone's always curious about what we're going to be doing. So yes, well, thank you so much, and pleasure, we look pleasure. forward to it. And thank, uh, thank you, Gary. Great, get guys. on your dancing you shoes. I'm getting. I'm going out now, doing a few errands, getting into my outfit, and I'll see you in a few hours, Lynn. 
Okay. Well, hey, thanks so much. And thanks yeah. for your time today. We My really pleasure. appreciate it. Appreciate it. See you all again. Dis Disco right. Inferno. Liza, <laughs> yes. great luck with, with your play. Thank you. I can't, I can't wait for yours. That's Excited. our next guest. Yes, of course. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to run off, but I'm, I'm, I'll be at Natural Studio to see that play for sure. Thanks, guys, so much. Cool. Take care. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. Now, Lynn, what I didn't want to tell Gary, because I didn't want to influence anyway, when I saw it on the West End, they had a mirror that came down so you could see, ev everybody in the audience could see the steps that they were doing sort of dancing. Because, you know, if you just see a dance on a stage... It's one thing, but to see the disco moves, they had a mirror, that, a full-length mirror that took that took over most of the stage, and it came down in an angle so you could see everything. I am curious to see how they do that. So let me let me know. I will. But that was that was London. That that's how they do it in London. This is an American story, right? Well, so is Liza Burke Myers, which is, leads us to our next guest. Uh, St. Louis Actors Studio is going to present the Midwest premiere of Liza Berkmeyer's show, Dr. Ride's American Beach House. And I am so thrilled to have Liza here with us today because she set this play in St. Louis on a rooftop in the sweltering summer of 1983. So, hey, Liza. Hi. What's it been like mounting your show in your hometown? Oh, it's it's um, it's been perfect for so many reasons. I mean, it belong the play belongs here. It's set here and it belongs here. Um, it's it was funny to do it in New York and have you know real dramaturgical research on St. Louis. I came to St. Louis with uh, my director Katie Brooke just to check out the scene here so that we, we could get a sense of real St. Louis for her. And um, so to do it here, it just feels like it's in its own context in a way while the play takes place in 1983, um, which feels, you know, a little far away now. Um, <laughs> the, the place itself feels, you know, we're, we're in the context of the piece and that actually feels really cool. And for me personally, it's also, I'm reuniting with artists that I've known since, you know, I was really young and, and, um, and so to have this, it's a, it's a, it's a really funny in a personal sense homecoming too to work with director Anna Poleggi and former um, uh, peer from Washu, Lindsay Brill, who is who is starring as Harriet in the play. Uh huh. Well, this is uh, takes place in South City, where Carl and I both live. What? Yes. So how about that? And uh, we have to ask you the classic St. Louis question. Where'd you go to high school? <laughs> I went to MICDS, uh, decidedly not yeah, but in when, South City. Now, when you went there, was it two separate schools or were they married at the time? And they were married to each other. Yeah, I went to the married version. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Because that, that's that's when people when people say, oh, I went to MICDS. I'm like, oh, did you go to Marion Institute or was it all one school at the time? See, one school. That's, though I did that's how they judge. Yeah. They judge you and they age you at the same time. <laughs> that's, right. that's so great. I love I love a shorthand. Um, yeah. Judgment like that. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, I first gained uh, notice of Liza when she was in a fantastic production 
of Blackbird uh, at St. Louis Actors Studio in 2018. And she was a St. Louis Theater Circle nominee for Best Actress uh, with uh, John Pearson opposite her. And that was so intense, Liza, where you went, you were just stunning in the places Thank you, you went. That, because that's such an uncomfortable show. Yeah. Yeah. And to do that for the run. And then I remember William telling me that you were actually a playwright and that you had come back for it. And then now uh, you went to Wash U, got your uh, BA there, and then you got your MFA at Carnegie Mellon, which is top of the line there. So kudos <laughs> to you. And uh, she's been modest, Carl, but she was a New York critic's pick. In for this show, how about that? Doctor Wright's uh, American Beach House and uh, her play Radio Island was a finalist for the Philip Seymour Hoffman Relentless Award. Oh wow! So you've got some really big credentials for what's a young age. What do you love about uh, storytelling? Oh wow! I don't. It's so hard to say because it's like almost so inherent or like natural in my being that it's almost hard to like qualify one aspect that really excites me. I think I've, you know, always desired to live in a sort of wilderness of imagination and like invite people to that, like even in really embarrassing ways, starting as a young child. Right. So um, I feel like um, rather than thinking of storytelling a lot, I'm thinking of like creating a whole environment or planet that feels like um, exciting for other people to like get invited to and watch or feel a part of. Um, and, and, and story just happens to be there um, is often how it feels when I'm, when I'm working on projects. Well, so, go ahead. Go ahead, Lynn. Now, I was going to say the story uh, focuses on four women uh, on the eve of uh, Sally Ride being on the space shuttle, what can you tell us about the four women in this play? Well, there are there are two old friends, Harriet and Matilda, who have known each other since their childhoods. Um, went to St. Louis, important. They went to Rosati Kane, actually, <laughs> um, and they. Um, are, and then and then went to go study poetry. Now they uh, work at the same uh, St. Louis restaurant and they have their two serious ladies book club. And there is a lot of homoeroticism that's already happening in this relationship that hopefully we start clocking early on in our experience with them. Um, and then enters a um, an out lesbian, um, a sort of radical being of 1983. And it really, uh, skews their um their relationship to each other their perception of their selves their selves um and and um it puts in a broader focus um or a a sharper focus what's what's happening between them in ways that are both um exciting and and, and kind of too scary um all the while we have our friend Norma downstairs who is taking care of the property um, where these women have met. And she is, she is a sort of antithesis of their beings. She is a person who really cares about, um, as she says, safety and money. But um, she is a person who is really coming up from the downstairs, coming up from 
um, a really much more grounded place and is, is not bewildered by or distracted by um, loftier things. Um, and uh, uh, she's, she really holds us to the ground, I think, that Norma. As Sally Ride goes to space and these women linger on the roof, we have somebody from downstairs who just seems so important. Well, you said you brought your director in to St. Louis. Was there anything that she learned by coming to the town? Oh, oh yeah. Well, Anna is the director of this production. So she's, she's been around. She knows it. But yeah, and um, my the director who, who did it in New York, Katie. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She We talked to um, Mo Costello, the owner of Mocha Bees, when she was here, which was a rich time. And not just to hear her experience... Um, as a, you know, iconically queer uh, shop owner, but but also just hearing her her literal voice um, uh, felt of, of this place so profoundly um, and how she talked and what she had to say. Uh, I feel like that was really influential. And also we just, we were really looking at, at rooftops. We tried to, we were knocking on doors and trying to go upstairs to see what, what there was to see up there. Um, and, you know, I've long, I, uh, right after college, I lived in South City and, and I've always loved it over there. So we were just, we were knocking on doors and, and going upstairs. And we, can we see your rooftop balcony? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes people were like, no, but, but often <laughs> a couple of people let us up to their roof and we, we took photos. Um, and shared them with our, our design team so that we could just create something that felt like um, that, that singular experience of a St. Louis summer night, um, getting ready for a Cardinals game and um, hearing a Schnucks advertisement. <laughs> wow, that really does set the, set the mood. Well, Anna Maria, uh, Carl, since you went to SLU, she is a, a part of the faculty or was part of the faculty at uh, SLU. And uh, she- now, now, hold on, Lynn. You have to be specific here. I went to St. Louis University, that SLU. I went to the Christian Brothers College High School. Those were the rivals, Lynn. You can't, you, when you say SLU, you have to be specific because- Okay, we're talking it's not, the, it's not the same. See, more shorthand, Liza. Yes, well, it is a shorthand in St. Louis. You totally understand- but uh, she's got a great team assembled. And William Roth, who's been on our uh, our mm -hmm. podcast frequently, uh, he uh, is uh, starting the 16th season of St. Louis Actor Studio. And uh, this is called A Way Forward. And it's going to be a terrific season. And I'm so happy, uh, Liza, that you are back for this premiere because I do think local uh, stories are important and especially that you pick that time because that is a time where uh, people were not comfortable talking about relationships and uh, queer, uh, queer, queer, queer folk in their neighborhood, you know? And so, yeah. <laughs> it's well, no, no, so back in 1983, it would have been, if people were talking, they would, if they were a little op more open-minded, they would have just called them the girls. That's what the, they wouldn't have said that they were a gay couple. They would have just said, oh, the girls, because that's we had in the early 80s at the end of our block. We had 
the boys who lived at the end of the block. Wow. Yes, it was called. I was there. Yeah. I lived it. And then, uh, and then, what what was important to you about Sally Ride? What was what was that uh, as a marker? Yeah, well, you know, strangely, um, I picked the night, the date of this play before I knew what was going to happen in it. Um, that I was, I was, it, it used to have a totally different structure, and it made sense at the time. I promised that I was doing this strange exercise, but I did choose the date um, of June seventeenth, nineteen eighty-three, and um, a time I didn't actually know too much about. And um, as I was looking into it, I was like, oh, it, this happens to be the night before Sally Ride went to um, went up on her first Challenger mission. And so I became extremely excited about that because I did I did care about Sally Ride. And she had um, only a few years before I wrote the play, she had died and she had come out in her obituary, which her partner had written. And um, her partner had outed her with her, with Sally Ride's consent when she was still alive. Um, her partner outed her. And I, um, you know, I thought of Sally Ride as a queer icon, I think subconsciously before I knew that she was um, in her own, in her, you know, in her private circle, an out lesbian for a lot of her life. But I did think it um, remarkable how somebody, how a, how a young woman could go to space and not come out. Um, that that <laughs> what a remarkable thing to have done, and what an oppressive world that you can leave the atmosphere, but not straight culture. Um, <laughs> I just that was something that that felt um, so devastating to me, but also such an amazing environment actually to play in. When what what is sexuality, and what are relationships when we don't have the language to name them or the freedom to explore them? Like in what ways do we express ourselves or perform ourselves when when we don't know what to do um, in a really basic way with our desires? Interesting. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about the movie Maestro. <laughs> so I will get back to you when it comes out. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> On that. And uh, oh, well, we're NASA nerds in my family just because I grew up with the space program. Oh, cool. And stuff. So I'm I'm really excited wow. uh, to to uh, see this and and uh, Dr. Ride's uh, legacy is uh, remarkable and I'm glad that you you uh, included her in this so this is going to be really fun and well, thank I you have... so much it's great to talk to you well thank you and we're going to have a take ten on my website poplifestl.com featuring Liza if you want to know more about her and uh I think you will and this play uh they run Thursday through Saturday but starting this week Friday through Saturday through Sunday I mean uh it's 8 p.m on the night and then Sunday matinee at three which I always like for St. Louis Actor Studio because it's you, not the you can find out all this stuff at stlas.org at the Find beautiful black box uh, gaslight theater. Go to the website. You can find out when and where and what works best for you. And more about the actresses, because I think your Facebook page has been spotlighting the actresses who are playing these parts. And Bridget Bassa is back for this. So that's, I'm glad, I'm <laughs> glad to see her. So thank you, Liza. Well, Carl, I was in New York, so I missed 
the screening of the exorcist believer and i just want to go on record as the original exorcist in 1974 was the scariest movie I've ever seen. And to this day, it creeps me out because you mess with devil possession and Satan. Oh, that's just like terrifying to me. So how is this? Well, hold on. Let, let's let's go back and say the I saw The Exorcist 2 at my cousin's house on, on VHS. And, you know, The Exorcist is scary enough. The Exorcist 2, watching it at somebody's house with your cousins just uh, making fun of you because you're the youngest one there. And it was, I, I remember the exorcist two with Richard Burton and Linda Blair came back. And then the exorcist three in 1990 was a scary movie. I liked the exorcist three. I was younger. I mean, it was 1990. So I was still a teenager, but I, it was I was scared. It actually and it has one of the best jump scares of all time at, in Exorcist three. And then there's also Exorcist the beginning. And then there's one more. This is the sixth Exorcist, Lynn, the sixth one of these. And it stars Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton. And also uh, it's it stars St. Louis's own Norbert Leo Butts. They both play fathers of young girls who get lost and they're missing for three days and they turn up. Uh, Jennifer Nettles of Sugarland plays the mom and Ann Dowd plays a neighbor. And then these two young girls, I'm going to say something positive first about this film, Lynn, the makeup on these two young women are fantastic. They make them look, these are beautiful angelic cherub tweens and they make them look nasty and they make them look like they are possessed by the devil. I wasn't scared in this movie at all. At, there were, there were a couple jump scares and you're dealing with the devil. They do bring up one thing. They, they bring back Ellen Bernstein for probably two days of work. She's barely in the movie at all for as much as they're hyping this. She's not in the movie for very, for very few scenes. And what they do to her is, just awful with the way they treat her and what they do to the character is just stupid. And I, I, I was angry at the writers. Uh, Danny McBride is uh, one of the producers in this and he, he is with his uh, buddy, David Gordon green, who did the Halloween reboot boot a couple years ago and Jason Blum. And I, I'm sorry. I it, I wasn't scared. I didn't like the story. I didn't like what they do. The ending, I was okay with a lot of the things that were going on in the movie up until the last 15 minutes. Then they make a choice that just is, and they're going to make two more of these, by the way, because, you know, oh, that's what you do now. No. And also, uh, they there is some a scene where Chris McNeil says she's been, since 1973, 50 years ago, she's been exploring what's going on in all these demonic possessions. And she's like, they've done this with Muslims. They've done it with Jews. And that she mentions all these other religions. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to actually not make this just a Catholic thing. They kind of do it. They make it a Christian thing, not a, not just a Catholic thing. In fact, the Catholics are actually the part of the bad guys in this because the bishops won't let them have an official exorcism. So there are evangelicals and then there's a little bit of voodoo Christian 
kind of stuff going on, but there's no Muslim or Jewish. And I understand why there's no Jewish. Jewish people don't believe in hell. So they don't it it was weird. And then as I said, the last couple of minutes was just uh I it made me angry. And it, uh, and it wasn't scary. It wasn't good. I, I I don't even know if I'll if there's another one. They they do lead up to one thing at the end, but still I don't know if I would see the second one. Cause like with his with uh David Gordon Green's version of Halloween, I like the first one. And then the, the ending of the last one pissed me off. And the third one's just awful. So it was diminishing returns. And if that's what's gonna happen with this. I've already they've already lost me after the first one. So I don't know why I would torture myself to see the second one or the third one. So that's what I have to say. I do like some of the performances are great and the kids, the kids are really good. Uh Lydia Jewett and I'm sorry, Lydia Jewett and Olivia Markham play the kids. They are I mean I mean they're they're playing the devil. So it's all right. I I enjoyed I enjoyed some of the things that in this movie it's just uh the last 15 minutes really soured. Well that is really unfortunate because Did you have high hopes for this? I did because the way they were hyping it and I do like David Gordon Green. I did not see the last two Halloweens, but I thoroughly enjoyed See you left remake. it you left it when it was still good. Yeah. And then I really enjoy his other movies and Undertow, his film right. Undertow is a hidden gem that uh, is uh, just wonderful. Josh Lucas in evil mode and Jamie Bell as a youngster. And it's just uh, well, he's, a I, fantastic you know, film. I, there, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Danny McBride. Some things I absolutely love him in, and a lot of things I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, he, he David's done Pineapple Express. He did Eastbound and Down. He did Vice Principals. He's now working on Righteous Gemstones. So he's not in this movie, but – and that's another thing. I thought if Danny McBride was going to be in it, I thought it would be funnier. But he's not in the movie. He's just one of the producers. Oh, Jason okay. Blum knows, knows what he's doing. Well, uh, David Gordon Green got famous. Uh, Siskel and Ebert used to just rave about him. His movie, George Washington, put him on the map. And yeah. then All the Real Girls was his breakout. And that was with Danny McBride, with Paul Schneider. And uh, I think Zoe Deschanel, right? Uh, maybe. Was, yeah. And uh, that put him on the map. And then he had success in... Uh, well, Undertow was on mm -hmm. Ebert's best list, and then uh, some other films, and then he took uh, over Snow Angels with Kate Beckinsale and Sam Rockwell. Right, and then he also did. Uh, then he did the goofy comedies with Danny McBride. He did Pine. Didn't he do Pineapple Express? And Your Highness. Yes, which was a An another pot movie. Yes, and that which was so, Danny McBride. So and he Natalie is Portman. And yeah, so I know so he is streaky. Yeah, well, and I, 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 I wanted to see this. I was looking forward to it. It just disappointed me. And I know some people that liked it, and I'm not going to say their names because I, I, 
I did right. not get into an argument with them at the end. I just said, uh, okay, you liked it. Hey, because you know what? Every movie is somebody's favorite movie. Right. And it's a, it's mixed, you know, there's mixed reaction to to everything. And that's why that's the beauty of it, because everybody has an opinion. When people disagree with me, I always say everybody's got an opinion. It's my this is my opinion. And your opinion's just as valid. I just, you know, write, write about it. So the uh, the interesting thing is this week, uh, because the Taylor Swift documentary is coming out October 13th now, they moved this ahead. Yes. They moved yeah, this It was ahead. supposed to open up next week closer to Halloween. Because of Friday the 13th. Right. And one of the things that's coming up is uh, the Beetlejuice at the Fox on the 10th. And they're making, I remember when John O'Brien was on talking about the Fox season and he was really excited for Beetlejuice to be at the Fox for Friday the 13th. Right. So that is fun. Well, I, I said, I said her birthday's on 13 is her lucky number. She was born on December 13th, but she, but 13, she loves the number 13. And so she wanted it to open on Friday the 13th. And so everybody else moved their, their uh, things. But this is this is a low. We've been uh, right now. We're in the fall, gearing up to the FYC season for your consideration. Right. But you know, there are a lot of usual horror movies, like the movie that also opens up on Prime this weekend is Totally Killer, which is a horror comedy time travel movie, and so that opens up on Prime this weekend. Right now, that screening is tonight. Yeah, we will be at Saturday it. Night Fever. Right. and uh they uh but yeah on prime and then right now uh netflix has reptile starring benicio del toro and justin timberlake and uh alicia silverstone uh-huh and so i didn't watch that one uh-huh so uh it'll be interesting but now is the time for the horror movies good morning morning uh, please, please forgive my, my lateness. I literally only just received the Zoom link about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> that's well, okay. That's, You're here that's, now. That's quite a while. We are very uh, thrilled to have with us today Abe Goldfarb, who is playing as, uh, and I'm saying this affectionately, the narcissistic, <laughs> the interior designer in Beetlejuice. So welcome <laughs> to St. Louis. Absolute pleasure. Really thrilled. How, how long have you been playing Otho? Otho? Um, oh. oh, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't, that, that was not me being like, actually, it's Otho. Um, <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been playing Otho with the tour since uh, December of 2022. But my association with Beetlejuice goes back a few years, actually. Um, I was in the out-of-town tryout in D.C. back in 2018. I was a member of the ensemble. And then I was with the show at the Winter Garden, also in the ensemble, and I was understudying Beetlejuice, Adam, Charles, Otho, and Maxie Dean. Wow. <laughs> For the tour, it's it's a much simpler workload. I'm playing Otho, but I'm understudying uh, Charles, Adam, and Maxie. Well, uh, we are so thrilled to have you here. We were just talking, uh, John O'Brien programs at the Fox was really thrilled to bring Beetlejuice for Friday the 13th. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> That's really cool. I know. So what is so fun about doing this show? 
what isn't i mean it's a uh, it's a big loud colorful crazy party of a show uh that also has a really intense and beautiful emotional core you know it's uh there's a jokes per minute rate you could compare probably with any of the Zucker brothers pictures like airplane or naked gun, but at the heart of it. And the thing that actually makes, I think most of the jokes sing even better is that it's a story about a young girl dealing with grief and reconnecting with her family and the world around her. So, you know, those two things playing in counterpoint, it's just, it's a really special show and you laugh harder when you cry. <laughs> but the the music is so good. The design is so gorgeous. And honestly, the entire cast, um, am I allowed to do a mild swear in this or is that? Is that yeah, go oh, ahead. Yeah, yeah okay, we're not good. FCC. No, earmuffs, not kids, FCC. earmuffs. Uh, our director, Alex Timbers, I don't know if it's official, but he seems to have a no assholes policy uh, when he casts. <laughs> When he casts his shows. So one of the great joys of it is that there's no assholes. Uh, everybody's super, super nice and kind and talented and fun. So well, yeah, I'd say that that's a pretty good list of things that's that, that are fun to do about the show. Speaking that of that, refreshing. Yes. Speaking of that, were you on tour in Colorado around <laughs> September 10th? <laughs> yes. Um we you guys great. probably couldn't see anything that was going on in the audience because no, they were we far back. We are. I mean, grateful you would have gotten a show, but we are grateful for the congresswoman's patronage. Yeah, <laughs> go see a play. It's it's you know it's amazing that she went to go see a play. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not gonna. It's been so healthily documented over the last few weeks. But well, yes, yeah, every sure. time every time it was mentioned on the radio, I said, you know, that show's coming to St. Louis at the fabulous Fox. <laughs> And you know who, you know, it probably helped your tour. Oh, a thousand percent. It Listen, there's no publicity like free publicity. But uh, well, yeah. Seth, and now Seth all the Myers, late night comedians are back. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, Seth Myers used it on Monday night. I'm <laughs> astounded that the story has had legs like this, but it really has. Oh, there's, there's, there's great memes. Great this is a show that's always been, for some reason, it's always been the story, you know, because... When we opened uh, in 2019, the assumption was we were going to close quite soon. But then with the release of the album and our Tony performance, you know, a whole bunch of new fans found us. And by the way, a lot of these fans are young people who maybe not even seen the film, but their their Beetlejuice fandom starts with the show, which is an extraordinary honor. Um, but, you know, when we were going to be kicked out of the theater, we were front page news. You know, when the music man was was kicking us out of the Winter Garden. And then when we came back, that was news. And now this is, it's just a show that for whatever reason, not only, does it, not only does it refuse to die, which is very appropriate, people keep talking about it. And I'm, and I'm delighted. And I would like to personally thank uh, Congresswoman Boebert for helping uh, to keep our show in the news. We are very grateful for her patronage. Well, because originally it was like, oh, was she at a movie theater seeing an old timey? No. This is a Broadway musical that's on tour right now. And I remember like, there was oh. a brief moment where someone tweeted, you know, about her going to a regional performance of uh, a regional production of Beetlejuice. And all these fans instantly leapt into the replies, just being no. like, it's actually the touring Broadway version. It's a Broadway <laughs> musical. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I admit, you know, I think there's always a healthy skepticism when when Broadway musicals are originated as a film. 
Yes. And that like there's and then when people find out it's actually really good, people are surprised. Like, it's really good. And, well, I think and, I, I do. I understand the skepticism because, you know, listen, this show is intellectual property. And it's a phrase that I hate. I can't stand the phrase intellectual property because it, it's like it's like content. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, there, there's a nozzle you turn on and, and, and art comes out. Uh, but I think one of the reasons that this among a, a, a myriad of, of, of shows based on films has made an impression is because this is properly adapted. This is a show that is not just the movie on stage. It's really, really rethought in theatrical terms. And in fact, um, a lot of the plotting is quite different from the film. And a lot of the character motivations are very different from the film. And I think it, it keeps it kind of fresh. I have a friend who came to see it in New York and he texted me at intermission because of course we have the dinner party, Harry Belafonte scene. You have to have that. If you don't have that, anyone who's seen the film is going to riot. So you have to have mm -hmm. that scene. But he texted me and he said, I'm actually kind of astonished because I know this scene. I have no idea what's happening next because of the way it's been sort of recontextualized. I think that's very exciting. I know, it's just the, the fertile mind of Tim Burton. Oh, yes. You know, and this is way back in 1988. And yep. uh, and it's it's just, uh, it's it, like you said, it's had multi-generations now that yeah. just, I mean, it's just fun. People just like it. Well, you've and, got parents who love the film bringing kids who love the soundtrack. Everybody walks away happy. It's uh, it's really, it's quite thrilling. And the reactions have been incredibly touching. You know, the fans are very, very devoted to this show. And that's good. You survived the pandemic and you, uh, you know, you survived that. Well, Elizabeth Teeter is from St. Louis and she did uh, uh, take on the role of uh, Lydia for some, Theater, of the yeah. for, for some of the Broadway runs. And so we paid attention then. But I think... Uh, uh, Publications like Playbill have always been in your corner. I, I've seen a lot of articles and, and you know, things about that. But uh, have you played at the Fox before? At any uh, no, I never have. Uh, this is the first time I've toured on this scale because uh, it, it's such an enormous show. It's like traveling with the circus. Uh, but I've, I've never played at the Fox before. I'm very excited to do so. I haven't well, I been in Lewis do. in probably over 20 years. Uh, so this is this is a really welcome return. Oh, good. Well, this is this is going to be a change, and I hope you enjoy the Fox. And we're going to be there Tuesday night. So oh, cool. I look Please forward say hello. to. Yeah, I will. I I look forward to uh, seeing you. Now, uh, you are not just known as Otho. You have voiced Pokemon yes. several yes. times. Hey. So tell us about that. Well, I can tell you, it's bought me endless credit with my nieces and nephews. Um, but I, yeah, I, I kind of lucked into the gig, if I'm honest, I'd already been doing voice acting in, uh, in a lot of computer games, uh, largely from a company called Wagedi, uh, run by a friend of mine, Dave Gilbert is a brilliant game designer. And, you know, uh, a friend of a friend was a producer for Pokemon and we met at a wedding <laughs> and, you know, they were like, so what do you, um, I mean, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a performer and I host burlesque shows, which is another one of my gigs in New York, you know? And I said, what do you do? And they said, well, I'm basically the purse strings for Pokemon in North America. <laughs> and I said, that's really cool. I'm, I would kill the voice of Pokemon. And they were like, here's the information for our director. 
for the dubs, you should uh, set up a little audition. And ah. so I did. And it started out as a one-off character, this old man named Frank, who has a farm full of Pikachus and who's trying to make a blockbuster Pikachu movie. That he was this very strange old man who just had all these wonderful yellow creatures lying around. And uh, that went well. And they brought me back for a villain, Dr. Zorosik, and I did him for a couple of seasons. And then I did uh, this character, Professor Kikui, for several years in Pokemon Sun and Moon. And I voiced innumerable monsters uh, over the years. And it, it, was, it was really, really They cool. can only say their names. That's right. They can only say their names. Which is true of most actors, actually. It's very exciting. <laughs> Abe. <laughs> Abe. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's so much fun. Well, we have some burlesque shows going on in St. Louis. I don't think all the time, Carl, but but there are. Oh, and I know there's a scene. There's a total yeah, scene. There. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some of the theater people that we know locally are involved in it. So, it's so yeah, much fun. So yeah, so maybe when you're here, what is the most fun thing about being on the road? I mean, if I'm honest, it's seeing all these theaters. That's been the most fun is getting to check out all of these gorgeous, gorgeous theaters. There are many beautiful new complexes that are very technologically advanced. Uh, and there's also a lot, and because I'm a sort of nerd for, for old theaters, we've I've been excited to be in all these great Gilded Age palaces you know, like uh, up in Buffalo, it was an extraordinary theater. Uh, you know, I think we had a pipe organ up there, a, a giant pipe organ. How cool is that? Uh, so it's been. We have one at the Fox too. Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna die of of, of thrill from that. I, I love. Well, old... right now they don't have anybody to play it, but they have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will I will gawp at it, uh, in in pure excitement. <laughs> but yeah, yes, that would really be cool to have that, wouldn't it, Carl? To have it beforehand. Well, they they bring it out. Oh, they they bring people in to play it sporadically because the person that used to do it did it for a long time. Stan Can was okay. his name, and he passed away, and so they kind of uh, how is that spelled? Retired it. S T A N K A H. Is that right, Lynn? I think it's double N. Oh, K-A-N-N. Stan All right. Cam. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, here, uh, great, great, great. Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. There was also apparently, a, oh, yes, Stan Can, the organist. This is so interesting. Uh, he was a frequent guest on The Tonight Show, yes. showcasing his collection that, that of vacuum his cleaners. Claim to fame. Yes. Yes. That's so cool. Yes. I'm sure on YouTube there's clips of Stan. He was a character. Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be looking him up. That's extraordinarily cool. What is so cool about Johnny the Fox, loved him. Yeah, what is was so cool about the Fox is as you will know, because you get to sign a wall. All yes. casts get to sign a wall. And you go through there and you'll see Yul Brenner and Cheetah Rivera and all these legends. Oh, um, what a lineage. Names all over Sammy the Davis wall. Sammy Davis Jr. I do not yes. deserve to be on this wall. I, I that's crazy. It is. It's really, really cool. It's just awestruck. Tommy Toon is by a door, like leading out into the uh, uh, outside on the. I would have expected Tommy Toon to be by a ladder, oddly enough. I know, isn't it? Because it's right and he's got a little heart because it's Tommy Toon. <laughs> and it's so cute because I was like, oh my God, Tommy Toon's name is right there. And, uh, but the one little secret at the Fox, because I was 
uh, coming in with a young person one time and the usher, I said, this is her first time at the Fox. And the usher said, look for the four butterflies. So I will task you with. Abe won't see that. He's on stage, not the audience. I know, but well, you gotta be. Check out the theater before the show. Okay. Come All right. On. Okay. So, uh, um, well, you won't see you won't see them lit up then. Okay. It's a that's stage a, that's left, a hint. But it's stage uh, left, but it's not your stage left. It's house the left. Audience house stage. right. The house, house right. The house left. The house left. Look I'll figure the, it out. <laughs> yeah. Look. Look for the butterflies. Grab someone. Say, where are the butterflies? This is quickly turning into a sort of Lewis Carroll riddle. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, well, it has been such a delight to talk to you. And now I'm really excited because I was excited beforehand. And I just saw a, a, a guy, a critic in uh, Houston just told me how much fun it was. Because he just said, he goes, Beetlejuice is so fun. Oh, I'm so and glad he, to hear that. Yeah, he just raved about it. So, and he's a tough guy. <laughs> So, we can break that down. That's really good. Tough guys can like theater, Lynn. I don't know what you're talking about. I know, but you know, he, well, uh, uh, maybe a descript, you know, discerning. Maybe I'm a total cream puff, so I can't really speak to that. <laughs> back in high school, all the, after football season was over, they all were in the musical. All of the course. football players, because they, they kept their bodies in tune. You need some broad shouldered boys. Yes, they theater. can they can lift up the uh, smaller people. That's correct. Well, as and in uh, as in the film Lady Bird, when the when the coach has to take over directing the musical. Oh, remember that scene? Film. That's like the best scene when That's he's. You know, I'm such a Greta Garwig fan. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. Is isn't it just? And well, speaking of Halloween, we're gonna besides the Beetlejuice revival. I think in costumes, we're gonna see a lot of Barbie and. No, a lot of I, have people been dressing up as Beetlejuice or oh, Lydia at every the uh, shows? It's, oh, wow. It's astounding. And it's so imagined and, and, and fully created. You know, uh, we have we have cosplay at basically every performance. Uh, some shows more than others. Um, Friday the 13th will be fantastic for you guys. Are you kidding? It's going to be nuts. It's going to be so cool. I mean, but we have people in elaborate costumes. You know, Beetlejuice, you know, it's the iconic striped suit. Lydia, we get multiple looks. You know, we get mm -hmm. the um, we get the sort of gothy black outfit from early on. And we get the um, the red uh, the red wedding dress. We have lots of Miss Argentinas coming to the show. We've had a few Othos, which is very, very cool. Good uh, for you. One person showed up in, in really astonishingly detailed Otho dress. Someone else sent me a, uh, they made a Funko Pop of my Otho. Uh, and it like packaged as well. Uh, it was oh, wow. very, very weird. We have very creative fans, you know. Uh, and, and the thing is, you must know, uh, as I say, the show is quite different from the film. The Otho in no, that I'm doing in no way resembles the brilliant work of Glenn Shadix from the film. And by the way, anyone who is a fan of Glenn Shadix's Otho should look up his photography uh, he did portraits of a lot of the people who worked on Beetlejuice, and they're very wow. beautiful portraits. He died very tragically, Glenn Shadix, uh, and left behind a really special body of work. And I mean, if anything, I just feel like, you know, I'm I'm traipsing in his shadow. Brilliant performer. Which is so memorable. We'll, we'll, we'll be you. there Tuesday night. 
Yeah. Thank you so much and uh, break a leg. And I really look forward to uh, seeing this. It's nice to open the Fox season with this, to be back in the theater. You know, It's a total honor uh, to be a part of that. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the two of you on the night. We'll be there. Thank you okay. for being with us today. Thank you for Thank having me. Tickets are available at Metro Ticks for not just the Friday the 13th and not just for opening night, but for the entire run of Beetlejuice at the fabulous Fox Theater. Thank you, Abe. Thank you. Have a good day. Lynn, where can we find you socially? I'm on all the socials. I'm on KTRS Radio every Friday with Jennifer and Wendy at 11.08, right after the news. And I am in Webster Kirkwood Times. And I am uh, the website poplifestl.com. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on threads, Instagram, and X. I'm on with Mark Cox Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk and St. Louis on KMOX on the weekends on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Lynn, have a great week. Good luck to you seeing all these shows. Thank you and enjoy fall and go see a play.